I'm Clay Jones with CSJ Land and Cattle in Nacogdoches, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're seeing some cotton ground now going to other crops now that insurance deadlines have passed. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Corn farmers in the Texas Panhandle are trying to make some progress on planting even as storms continue to present some obstacles. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. What people need to know if they are interested in purchasing a personal hunting ranch in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have some advice in my interview on Texas Ag Today. June is considered a fertilizer month for a lot of things in Texas. Please join me, John Bagnall, as we discuss fertilizing trees, shrubs, and veggies in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With insurance planting deadlines in the rearview mirror for most Texas cotton farmers, the focus now turns to planting other crops like sorghum or corn. Walter Kristenick farms northwest of Lubbock near Whitharrell. Everybody tries to grow cotton first because we're geared up for it. We all have the equipment and everything ready to go, and there's people that do have the combines, but mostly everybody has a stripper or, or some way to harvest the cotton, so we all start with the cotton first and then try, we'll go secondary to milo. But there's going to be more and more milo in the country here. And corn is another option if they need it. You know, we've got an ethanol plant down here, and uh, they really like the corn when we grow it. You know, with our yields here, though, you know, 80 bushel would be a bumper crop for us because we just don't have the water. But, uh, but it's a good secondary crop, and, you know, when the price is right, it works pretty good for us. But, you know, it's not one that we really look to plant. Of course, the reason for the need to grow milo or corn is all of the rain that delayed cotton planting. Kristenick says that's all part of farming on the plains. Normally, our rainfall comes from April till, till uh, September. That's when we get the majority of our rain. Well, it hasn't done that in a long time. Since 2011, we haven't had correct rainfall at the time that it normally does here. So we've been kind of, it's been kind of, it's time for it to switch. And I keep telling my son that, and he just rolls his eyes at me. He goes, I don't know, Dad, it just looks like drought all the time. I said, well, I, you know, when you've been farming as long as I have, he's seen a bunch of it, but it, like I said, I don't see a normal year. I mean, it's just different every year, and you just got to be ready to go. 
Not everyone in Texas has hit the cotton insurance deadline yet. Some farmers still have until June 20th to get their cotton planted. A one-in-a-million albino calf has been born in East Texas. Anderson County rancher Brad Henry bought a cow to add to his herd, and she calved about a week after he brought her home. That calf was an albino with white skin, white hair, and pink eyes. The calf is healthy but will require some special treatment because albinos cannot tolerate the Texas sun. Henry says he hopes to find the calf a quiet pasture to live out its life. Registration is now open for the Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual convention. It will be held on October 8th through the 10th at the Gaylord Texan Resort in Grapevine. For more information on registering, go to tcfa.org and click on the convention tab. Corn farmers in the Texas Panhandle are trying to make some progress on planting. But James Hunt tells us rainstorms are continuing to present some obstacles. A stormy start to the week in parts of the Texas Panhandle presented some area corn farmers with yet another hitch in trying to finish up planting. But Rachel Myers of Myers Crop Insurance in Claude says in terms of meeting crop insurance requirements, there's still some time left. A lot of our area corn was a June 5th deadline, but there is a 15-day late plant period on corn. And although late planting does mean some reduction in coverage, Myers says farmers have reason to keep going. A lot of farmers have their corn, you know, they've already contracted it for silage to the dairies and feed yards. They've got some excellent price coverage on their corn crop. And so they're really determined to get that crop in the ground if they can just get a few days of dry weather. So if they do plant into that late plant period, you lose 1% of your crop insurance coverage per day into that 15-day period. Some of our latest storms brought hail with them. We'll be checking around for details on what will likely be at least some crop damage. Now, as we mentioned yesterday, Texas A&M AgriLife is conducting a pair of one-day workshops on grain grading on August 1st and 2nd in Amarillo. AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones says the workshop is open to anyone but is intended primarily to help teach employees of feed yards, dairies, and grain elevators how to evaluate grain. They need to be able to recognize what are some common diseases in grain or what might be some insect problems or some contamination problems and be able to recognize those. So as they go back to the feed yard or the dairy or wherever they happen to work, they're going to be able to access and look at that grain more effectively. Contact AgriLife for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunting property is in high demand across Texas. Tom Nicoletti has some tips on buying your personal hunting spot. My guest from the College Station area is Tyler Jacobs. He is partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP. And Tyler joins us on this program on a regular basis. And this time we're going to be talking about what folks can do to look for that perfect personal hunting ranch. And first thing uh, they need to probably think about is as a, a good resource is the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Tyler. All of these ranches that we sell have some sort of recreational component to them. And for the most part, that recreational component is hunting and family. Families want to get out there and enjoy that land. And one of the ways that they obviously do that is hunting for different game, upland, big game, whitetail, bird hunting, duck hunting. And Texas Parks and Wildlife is right in the middle of that. 
the very first stop is to look up the county and the zone that that potential property is located in and make sure that you're familiar with the seasonal availability of that game and what the restrictions are in that county or in that zone. So, for example, you might have an antler restriction in one end of the county versus the other end of the county, or you might have a different antler versus antler restriction in one end of the county versus the other end of the county, or daily bag limits on upland birds, or a number of different things that really you ought to be familiar with. Now for potential buyers, uh, one thing they need to keep in mind, and of course Parks and Wildlife can help them with this, is uh, chronic wasting disease uh, regulations, also known as CWD regulations. You don't want CWD to catch anyone by surprise. And good ranch brokers are going to be quick to bring that to any buyer's attention about where this potential property is in the, in the CWD protocols. Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall will join us again on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. June is considered a fertilizing month for Texas gardens and landscapes. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, most of Texas has received some rain. There are a couple of hot spots that are still on the droughts monitor as extreme drought. But for the most part, we've had quite a bit of rain. And you take the Texas panhandle and overabundance. And that affects the fertility of your soil a lot because nitrogen is very leachable. It also wants to turn into a gas. And so it can dissipate in 30 days or less in a lot of soils. So we think of June as a time that we don't do green up fertilizer like we do in spring, but we continue to maintain growth. And we fertilize if you're trying to, to get, for instance, trees to, to grow, young trees to expand and put on the maximum amount of growth as fast as they can while being safe about it. And to add leaves on some, you know, you take the live oak, which is a, a native to Texas, it normally puts 90% of its new leaves on in the spring. But if you drive around Texas today, you'll actually see a flush of growth because of moderate temperatures and an abundance of rainfall in some areas. So they will do better with a little boost of fertility right now, especially something like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, 21714 is pretty good. So that's something to consider. Also shrubs, woody shrubs, if they're not performing well or they suffered because of the deep freeze and now that they have proven themselves to be alive and viable you could fertilize them to ensure that they put on some new growth how about those vegetables this has been a pretty good year in most parts of texas to grow squash and tomatoes the temperature has not been extremely hot although we've had quite a bit of wind in a lot of areas, it's been a good time. So when you have vegetables that are either nearing production or have started producing vegetables, a little light side dressing of a good balanced fertilizer and one that might match your soil analysis if you've done a sampling would really benefit these things and keep them productive longer. Now, we're not planted okra yet in most of Texas, except deep south Texas, but it's still time to plant vegetables and you can replant things that you planted in the spring. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. The number of Audad sheep in far west Texas is growing, and researchers are looking into how they may be impacting our native mule deer and bighorn sheep. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's some new bottle calf feeding nipples on the market. 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some new bottle calf feeding nipples on the market. Dr. Bob Judd says they may be helpful if you have a lot of calves to feed. Drovers.com indicates Agriplastics is a company in Sydney, Nebraska that has developed a nipple called the Milk Bar TM Revolution Snap-on Nipple. This is a slow-flow nipple that the company says promotes more natural suckling behavior of the calf. By allowing calves to drink slower, the new nipples help to ensure that all the milk is channeled into the calf's abomasum, which is where it is supposed to go. If calves drink too fast, the esophageal groove may not close completely when the calf is nursing. Some of the milk can go into the rumen, which can lead to scours and bloat. The opening of nipples that are on regular calf bottles are sometimes too small, and you have to take a pocket knife to make the opening of the nipple larger, which actually increases the flow too much in most cases. The new nipple has five slits in a circular pattern, which promotes a slower release of milk flow and encourages saliva production. Calves that drink too quickly are also susceptible to respiratory disease, as calves that are overwhelmed with milk often inhale some of the liquid as they attempt to breathe and swallow, leading to aspiration pneumonia. Another concern with regular nipples is the calf can ingest the entire quantity of milk in one minute, whereas the calf normally nurses the cow to four to five minutes to extract one quart of milk. Calves nursing rapid flow nipples do not satisfy their normal suckling instincts. The company indicates this product allows calves to nurse more naturally and with less chance of developing scours or respiratory disease. The Milk Bar Revolution Snap-On Nipple or the Braden Milk Snap-On Nipple are two similar products that may be beneficial if you feed lots of calves. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The number of Audad sheep in far west Texas is growing. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. As the number of Audad in far west Texas continues to grow and the population of mule deer declines, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Sol Ross State University's Borderlands Research Institute, and other partners are working together to study the impact these exotic sheep may have on mule deer and desert bighorn. The multi-year, multi-partner project is underway now in the Quitman and Chinati Mountains. Justin French, big game specialist for the Borderlands Research Institute, joins us with more. Because Audad had become so numerous and the habitats that bighorn, sheep, and mule deer occupy, we're really concerned with competition amongst really all three species. But we don't have a good coexisting population of bighorn and Audad to look at, so we're starting with mule deer. So we've got 40 of each species GPS 
colored in each of two mountain ranges. And we're looking at the ways that they interact when we don't disturb anything. And in one of those mountain ranges, starting next year, we'll actually remove a large number of AWDAD and look at how those measures of interaction that we see change. AWDAD, sometimes called Barbary sheep, are native to the arid mountains in North Africa. They eat shrubs and forbs and can compete with native wildlife for resources. What we've seen in a previous research project is that at low densities, AWDAD kind of select habitat that kind of acts like bighorn sheep do. But as those populations get bigger, you know, they have to spread out and start finding different resources. They can't all use the very best habitat. When that happens, those AWDAD start using areas that are more mule deer habitat. And so that's where the competition is actually happening is in that kind of secondary habitat for AWDAD, but primary habitat for mule deer. We'll have more on this research on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded up and down on Tuesday, but we managed to close higher on both live and feeder cattle. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work, from my desk, on my way to work, in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for, is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw the cattle market trade on both sides of unchanged throughout the trading session Tuesday, but on the close, once again, we finished out mostly higher. Live cattle finishing 35 cents higher on the nearby June contract, closing at 179.42. August live cattle up 72 cents, 173.92, with October up 55, 177.02. Feeder cattle finishing higher. August feeders up $1.40, 240.45. September feeders up a dollar thirty-two at two forty-three forty, while October was up a dollar seventeen two forty-five thirty. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No bids or asking prices to report. Now let's check those feeder cattle auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Our guest Rodney Butler, Beville Livestock, sold him Friday. Rodney, talk to us about it. We had a good sale Friday. Uh, numbers were, were short, but uh, we sure had some good calves, some lighter calves than what we had the week before. But I thought that old market was sure enough stronger than the week before, probably, or, or steady, for sure. Good. Walk the pins with us. 200, 300 pounds steers, 247 to 275. Heifers, 241 to $3. 300, 400 pounds steers, 242 to 320. Heifers, 222 to 275. 400, 500 pound steers, 230 to 285. Heifers, 208 to 250. Your 500, 600 pound steers were 222 to 244. Heifers, $1.90 to 228. 600, 700 pound steers were 205 to 216. Heifers were $1.80 to 205. And your 700, 800 pound steers were $1.77 to $1.96. And heifers were $1.52 to $1.55. Packer cows are strong. They brought them from 75 to $1.01. $1. Packer bulls brought $1.02 to $1.21. 
stalker cows, young cows. We had with some bred cows dollaring out around that 1700 And the pairs we had Friday brought anywhere from 1450 to 18 and a quarter, sir. Good. What are you aware of for this next Friday sale? I do know of a few cattle coming in Friday, not not too many, but I do know of a few coming this week. So we'll have another probably good run next Friday, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney Butler. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle here in South Texas, call me at 361-358-1727, or y'all reach me out on my mobile, 645-5002. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, and take care. And Rodney, you be careful, too. We want you coming back next week, and we want you back, too, neighbor, tomorrow, in fact, for another edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean honks finish lower on Tuesday. June honks down five cents, eighty-seven twelve. July honks down a dollar, ninety sixty. Class three milk lower also. June milk down three cents, fifteen oh eight a hundred weight. While July milk was down eight at fifteen eighty-five a hundred. The cotton market closed lower despite the fundamental factors looking pretty good. We had a lower U.S. dollar on Tuesday. The stock market and the energy markets both higher. Normally, that helps take the cotton market higher with it. But that did not happen. July cotton dropping 77 points at 82.72. October down 40 at 83.24. December cotton down 30, 81.02. Corn market finished mixed with the old crop lower, new crop finishing higher. Those new crop contracts getting support from the weekly crop ratings report that was out Monday afternoon. It shows the crop ratings for the U.S. corn crop fell from 64% good to excellent last week to 61% this week. The market reacted with the old crop July down four and three quarters, six twelve and a half. New crop September up two and a half at five forty six, while December corn was up two at five fifty one and a quarter. The wheat market finishing lower on hard wheat, higher on the soft wheat as we continue to narrow that gap between the two. July Kansas City wheat down four and three quarters, seven ninety one and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up two and a half. 636 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas was up 7 cents, 234. July West Texas crude up 208 at 69.20 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 106 points, 34,172. The Nasdaq up 87, 13,549. The S&P up 24 at 4,363. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.